the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Mankind will be tortured by demons for five months except the 144,000 we talked about a few chapters earlier, those Jews who have been sealed. There was a mark the Lord placed on 144,000 Jews who became believers in Jesus, and then God used those Messianic Jews to evangelize non-believers. So they're, they're going to be unharmed, and it tells us here that people will long to die, but death will elude them. It doesn't sound pleasant for anyone left on earth. I mean, it's always something worse than what's already happened. Today, Pastor Gary describes the visions John had of what's to come. Through each new blast of a trumpet, Satan and his forces' leash of destruction is let out a little more and a little more. No, thank you. Not what I want to experience. It's true that Jesus wishes no one to perish, but to have life with him. He goes to great lengths to demonstrate that, especially in these years of such tribulation. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 9 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Chapter 9 of the book of Revelation is where we are, and always I I need to feel like I can do a quick recap so uh, that we can be up to speed, but especially for those of you who might be new. So let me pray first, and then we will have a quick recap to bring us up to speed, and then start into chapter 9. Lord, we are glad to be in your house. In fact, the psalmist wrote, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so we're glad, Lord, to be in your house tonight. And we pray that you'd visit us in a personal way. Even though we're going through a book that is, that is pretty heavy, this section in particular, we thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne and that you've told us these things in advance so that we might be ready and so that we might also do our part to help as many people come to know you as possible so that none would perish but all would come to repentance. That's your heart. You want none to perish, you tell us in your word but all to come to repentance. So you have made that way possible for us to come into relationship with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is the author of life. He is our Savior. And we just commit now our study to you, Lord, and pray that you would just speak to our hearts now through our study. We love you and we praise you together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, back screen to get us up to speed with our timeline. We are in this section 
chapter 6 through 18, that deals with the seven years of tribulation, the wrath of God that gets poured out upon a God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting world. This is something that will happen in the future. The Bible is a a book that is filled with prophetic things, and these things that we read about in chapter 6 through 18 deal with those prophetic things, events that will happen on the earth. Now, again, if you missed our study in chapter 4, I believe when you look at chapter 4, there's a reference to John as a type or a picture of the church, which means that we won't be here because he's taken up to be with the Lord when he has shown these different visions. So as a believer, there's a position called the pre-tribulation posture, which believes that we are taken up to be with the Lord pre-tribulation, prior to the tribulation. There are others who believe we're taken in the middle of the tribulation, and still others who believe we go through the tribulation. Those are mid-tribbers and post-tribbers. The bottom line is, you know, it'll all pan out, right? I'm a pan-tribber, really, because when, when the trumpet sounds, I'm out of here, right? And so my hope is that you're going to be ready to be out of here too, and that many people come to faith in Christ between now and then. Because even though you'll be able to come to know Christ during the tribulation, it will be extremely difficult, it will be painful, it'll be a time of intense suffering and pain and death and, and famine and earthquakes and hail and all types of just natural disasters that will be God's final wake-up call for unbelievers so that they might come to faith in Christ. And um, unfortunately, many will raise a fist to God and curse him, but others will finally surrender and realize he's our only hope. And so that's the section we're in right now, Revelation 6 to 18, that deals with the seven years of tribulation that will be coming upon the earth. And the tribulation comes in three forms. As we go through these chapters, there are seven seals that are broken and then a pronouncement of judgments that are going to come upon the earth, seven trumpets that are blown, a pronouncement of judgments in the course of the Uh, angels blowing these different trumpets, and then finally seven bowls that are poured out with each successive event of the seals and trumpets and bowls. uh, Things escalate, things get more intense, but these are successive events, and uh, we've made our way so far through the seven seals. We've made our way through a portion of the trumpets, uh, and just to uh, get a quick recap of where we left off, here's trumpet number one from chapter eight. An angel sounds the first trumpet, a third of the earth is burned up, a third of the trees are burned up, all green grass is burned up. Trumpet number two is sounded, a third of the sea becomes blood, a third of the sea life is killed, a third of sea vessels are destroyed. Trumpet number three is sounded, and a third of all fresh water becomes bitter, and many die. And then trumpet number four, which is at the end of chapter eight, all light sources are darkened, by a third, and Jesus even told us that this would happen in Luke twenty-one twenty-five. He said there would be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. And so that ended chapter 8. Now we come to chapter 9, which deals with trumpet number 5 and trumpet number 6. And here is basically a preview of what we're going to see between chapters 5 and 6. You're going to see different words that are used... Star, locusts, scorpions, Abaddon, Apollyon, angels who are bound, and a reference to an army. And these are all figurative words that describe either Satan or his demonic forces. So in chapter 9, as we head into chapter 9 now, we're heading into a section of these uh, trumpets, trumpet 5 and 6, which have to do with uh, demonic 
attack. You're going to see in the first half of chapter 9 that the demonic attacks are limited and for the purpose of torment, but they are not able to kill anyone. And then the last part of chapter 9, we see other demons released. And in, in that case, when those other demons are released, then people will die. The, these demons are given the ability to not just torment people, but to actually kill people. So these are the things that are going to come upon the earth. But I just wanted to point out the language there of these words. And I'll explain as we go through it why, why does John use these words if he's really describing demonic principalities or if he's describing Satan himself. But you'll, you'll see as we go through here. So what I'd like to do is look here now in our Bibles at chapter 9. And I'm going to read verse 1 down through verse 12, which deals with the fifth trumpet that gets blown here to announce additional judgment. So here we go, chapter 9, verse 1. And then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months." Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So here's a summary of trumpet number five, what we just read here. Mankind will be tortured by demons for five months, except the 144,000. We talked about a few chapters earlier, those Jews who have been sealed. There was a mark the Lord placed on 144,000 Jews who became believers in Jesus, and then God used those Messianic Jews to evangelize non-believers. So they're, they're going to be unharmed And it tells us here that people will long to die, but death will elude them. And so let's back up here and look at chapter 9 and just kind of go verse by verse. And so it says, the fifth angel, verse 1, sounded, and I saw a star. So circle the word star. This is a fallen star from heaven. Now, there have been other times in Revelation where it mentioned fallen stars that was indicative of more of an asteroid or a, a comet, but... Here, what's different is John uses personal pronouns, masculine personal pronouns attached to this star, which means this is a reference to a being, not not a star in the cosmological sense. So if you'll notice, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth to him, 
see that, was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit. So this is a being. Now, just as a point of reference, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. If you, if you want to jump back to chapter 1 of Revelation, uh, you will notice that the last verse of chapter 1 explains to us the reference of stars in chapter 1, and it tells us that these are, are not just you know, something in the cosmos, but it actually refers to, to beings, to persons, because the last verse of chapter 1, verse 20, says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And we talked about how angels there, angelos meaning messenger, and how that word angelos in the Greek has all also been used to speak of human vessels that are messengers of, of God's word. And so even in that instance, it doesn't refer to an angelic being, a spirit being, it refers to the pastors of the churches. But my point is that stars can reference people. And we even have that slang in our own language. We talk about somebody who's a rock star. All right? Somebody who's a rock star is a person. The word star is just a reference to somebody who is, you know, famous. And so there's a famous person, being, that chapter 9 is referring to here. The star is a reference to Satan. This is a reference here to Satan. Now, in the margin of your Bible, or for you note takers, I'm going to give you a couple of passages that help to support all this. Remember, in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Because, of course, Jesus being God, co-eternal, and also coexisted with God, is the same as and is God, was there when Satan originally rebelled in heaven and was kicked out of heaven, and Jesus describes him like lightning, like a falling star. In fact, another passage is Isaiah chapter 14, and in Isaiah chapter 14, it speaks about Lucifer. That's interesting. In every translation of the Bible, the word, the name Lucifer only appears one time in the Bible and only in the King James and the New King James Version. In every other version, this is Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, in every other version, it says either morning star, there's the word, or day star. That is a translation of Lucifer, but it's kind of a loose translation. Lucifer, the name Lucifer, again, found only in Isaiah 14, 12, and this is what it says in New King James. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, and then New King James, I'm reading ESV, just so you can hear the word star. New King James and King James says Lucifer. O you have, how you have fallen from heaven, son of the dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. So in Isaiah 14, 12, it talks about, in that reference, how Satan, Lucifer, another name for him, was how he was kicked out of heaven to the earth because he rebelled against God. The name Lucifer is actually derived from Latin, from Lux, L-U-X, Lux, Lucas, L-U-C-I-S, is the genitive form of Lux, which is the possessive. Lucas, fere, fere means to carry. So Lucas, fere literally means the one who is the carrier of light. Lux, Lucas meaning light. Fere meaning to carry. It, his name literally means light bearer, one who is the carrier 
of light. He is a star. He is a spirit being who is portrayed as this very brilliant, very originally created, very brilliant, very beautiful uh, creature, an angelic being, that in Ezekiel chapter 28, Ezekiel refers to him as the anointed cherub. In Ezekiel 28, 16 to 17, it says, Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, or O guardian cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was, was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. So John sees here a star fallen. You put all this together with Luke 10, what Jesus said, and Isaiah 14, and, and Ezekiel 28, and you get the whole idea here. This is actually a reference, and then the personal pronouns, the masculine pronouns, him and he. This is a reference to Satan, fallen in his, in his being, and he was given, the text tells us here, the key. He was allowed by God to open the bottomless pit there in verse 1 of your Bibles. Now, in some of your translations, instead of saying bottomless pit, it is uh, the word abyss. And that is taken literally from the Greek word abusos. And the word abusos or abyss or bottomless pit found seven times in the book of Revelation. And then outside of Revelation, only two other times. Once in the book of Romans and another time in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. And it's a familiar story to many of you. In Luke chapter 8, This is when Jesus goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee where he is going to deliver a man from demon possession. So he goes to the region of Gadara, the Gadarenes, and there he encounters a man who was possessed by demons. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 30, uh, Jesus asked the man, saying, what is your name? And he said, legion, because many demons had entered him. This is Luke 8, 31. And they begged him, begged Jesus that he would not command them to go into the abyss. So that's the same word that is used. Now it's interesting. Here are these demons who have possessed this man. Jesus comes along to deliver this man from demonic possession, and the demons say to Jesus, they beg him, don't send us to the abyss. You see, the abyss is a bottomless pit. It is some cavernous thing in the heart of the earth where the worst of the worst of the demons have been kept. In fact, in 2 Peter 2, verse 4, it says, For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So as bad as demons are, in God's mercy, he kept the worst of the demons locked in chains in the abyss. These kind of inferior demons in Gadara begged Jesus, don't, don't throw us there. We don't want to go where those other worse demons are than we are. You know, I mean, for us, it's like any kind of demon's bad enough, right? But for the demons, they even recognize there's even worse demons than us. In fact, in Jude verse 6, it says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has, God has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. In other words, what Jude writes and what Peter writes in the verses I just read indicates to us that the worst of the worst of the demons are kept in this abyss and that there will come a day when the key of the, of the abyss will be given to Satan. He will be allowed to open up that abyss and let the worst of those demons out. And they will come upon the earth and it will be a terrible, terrible day. And so 
In verse 2, and he opened the bottomless pit, the abyss, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit, and then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth. All right, now, these are not literal locusts. These are locusts that are demons in the form of locusts. And they come upon the earth and they were given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And verse 4 says that they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, which is typically what locusts would do, but these are no ordinary locusts, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, notice, but to torment them for five months. So, you know, look, again, what God is up to is measured, it is limited, it is not reckless or random. What God is doing here, as severe as this is, as horrible as this is, again, you have to keep in mind, what lengths does God have to do to get people's attention who are stubborn and who refuse to submit to him? Well, Maybe this will help. You know, God's going to use a variety of things to try to get people to finally surrender to him before all eternity makes it impossible for them to ever have relationship with him. Because there is a day, there is, there's going to be a final day when, when the Lord says no more. And so he wants, he wants as many to get on board as will. And so he's going to go to great lengths to bend people to get them to the place where they will finally surrender and cry out to him. And this is one of the methods he's going to use here. But it's, it's not just this reckless, it's for five months, and you can't kill them. Okay? And their torment, middle of verse 5, their torment was like, okay, you're going to see the word like here more times in this chapter than any other chapter in the book of Revelation. John is, he's trying to communicate about these things, but he, he, you know, he struggles for the words. So he says, well, it's like, it's like, it's like. You're going to see. The torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. That's how it's going to feel. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Let me translate. What he's saying is people will try to commit suicide because they are so tormented by the sting of these demonic in insects, it doesn't say how big they are. Are they the actual size of locusts? Or are they more like a bird? It doesn't actually describe the size. But the sting is so severe that people wish to die, try to die, try to commit suicide, and death will elude them. They won't be able to die. They won't be able to die. You know, God is the author of life. And he's not going to even allow people to take their own lives here. So verse 7, the shape of the locust was like, notice, like horses prepared for battle. Okay, these are no ordinary locusts, all right? On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. These are, these are kind of gross creatures, kind of the, the shape of a horse, got little crowns, faces of men. But then verse 8 says they had hair like women's hair. So a man with blonde flowing hair and... And a crown, just weird. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. They got these sharp teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses 
running into battle. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.